259, hymn 259, to God be the glory. This will be our opening hymn, hymn 259, to God be the glory. Jesus, thank you for this day. Lord, I pray that you bless the preaching be with your man. Lord, speak through him and guide and direct our hearts and help us to listen and open our eyes to your word. I love you, Lord. Thank you for dying on the cross to saving my soul. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen and amen. And as we continue to uh, rest upon our feet, we would love for you to join us in singing hymn 391. Hymn 391. Trust and obey. Trust and obey. Hymn 391. Sing along. Ah, oh, when we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be 
appreciate all those that came. Then also don't forget about our church directory. If you did not get a copy today, there will be more next week. And uh, they'll be available through your Sunday school classes and also, I believe, in the foyer. Amen. And so uh, if, if you didn't get one, they're gone from today. Okay. And there'll be more next week. Uh, there will be a sound booth workshop this Saturday at 11 o'clock in the morning. 11 o'clock in the morning, we'll have a sound booth meeting. Uh, and uh, we are hiring, 
So if you want, if you want to work in the sound booth and you'd like to be a part of that, please be at the meeting at 11 o'clock. If you have any questions about that meeting, please see Brother DeVito. If you stand sideways, you won't see him. you got to look at him full face on because he's so skinny he disappears. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Uh, hey, listen, mark your calendar April 9th. It's Easter Sunday. Amen. Easter Sunday is the easiest day to get people to come to church with you. People that won't normally come will come on two, two times, Christmas and Easter. And that's what the ninth is. And I want you to encourage you to use that as a tool then to get your friends and your neighbors and your relatives and your enemies, co-workers, those who love you and those who hate you. Amen? And to come and be with you this uh, on Sunday, April 9th. I promise you it will be a time of great encouragement to them and to you. Amen? That's coming up Easter Sunday, April 9th. Don't forget about our ladies' Bible study this, Saturday, uh, this uh, Tuesday morning. At 10 o'clock in the morning, again, you do not have to be a member of our church ladies to come. If you're, if you're a lady, you can come. Amen? And that's at 10 o'clock in the morning. Brother Yule, you're not allowed to go anymore. Amen? And then on Saturday, our ladies' sewing meeting will be at 10 o'clock this uh, Saturday uh, in the Fellowship Hall. And that's all the announcements I have for this morning or this afternoon, but there are more announcements in our bulletin. If you didn't get one, there are some out in the foyer still. I encourage you to pick one up. Thank you for coming and being a part of Central Park. Amen. Tuesday morning, we're going to go get our cabinets for the kitchen. So uh, if you'd like to go, I've, I've got my pickup in a trailer. Probably have to make two or three trips. You know, that many cabinets, it may take a few loads. But uh, if you'd like to help us out or help, uh, you know, uh, Elias, I'm going to drive the truck and supervise. And uh, Brother Elias is going to need some help lifting all the stuff, all right? So, uh, yeah, I mean, so, you know, he needs a little help. He's, he's, uh, he's wiry, all right, uh, but he could use your help. So, uh, but anyway, but no, we're going to do that Tuesday morning, uh, probably about 9 o'clock if you'd like to come and uh, help us to do that and pray that we get everything. I talked to Brother Sharon the other day, and he's supposed to let me know if he can uh, get those uh, cabinets in this week or if it'll be next week. So uh, pray that however we do it, we're going to let him do it, amen, and He's the, con uh, the contractor, so they'll do a fine job, and I'm looking forward to that. Well, let's have an offering this afternoon, and if you didn't have the opportunity to give this morning, trust that you'll do that, all right? Father, we thank you, Lord, for the day. Uh, thank you again for your goodness to us. Thank you, Lord, for our people and their faithfulness this afternoon. Bless us, Lord, and I pray that you'd bless this offering because it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have an offering, you come. <clears throat>
you're able to rise, we would love for you to join us in singing hymn 427. Hymn 427, Sweet By and By. There's a land that is fairer than day, and by faith we can see it afar. Amen. In the sweet by and by, hymn 427, in the sweet by and by, sing along. Oh, there's a land that is fairer than day, and by faith we can see it afar, for the Father waits over the way. In the sweet by and by, in the sweet by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore. In the sweet by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore. We shall sing on that beautiful shore. Melodious song of the blessed, and our spirits shall sorrow no more. Not a sigh for the blessing of rest in the sweet by and by. We shall meet on that beautiful shore in the sweet. By and by, we shall meet on last verse and chorus, Acapulco. Last verse and chorus, Acapulco. To our bountiful Father above, we will offer a tribute of praise for the glorious gift of his love. And the blessing that hallowed our days in the sweet by and by. In the sweet by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore. In the sweet by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore. Let's do the chorus one more time. In the sweet by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore. In the sweet by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore. Woo! That make it. Baptist hop, won't it? <laughs> Woo. Hymn 324, hymn 324, the wonderful grace of Jesus. Hymn 324, the wonderful grace of Jesus. Hey, Amen. After this hymn, please greet each other as we prepare for our afternoon special. 324, wonderful grace of Jesus, here we go. Our wonderful grace of Jesus, greater than all my sin. How shall my tongue describe it? Where shall its praise begin? Taking away my burden, setting my spirit free for the wonderful grace of Jesus. Reaches me 
How wonderful the master's grace of Jesus, deeper than the mighty rolling sea, higher than the mountain, sparkling like a fountain, all sufficient grace for even me, broader than the scope of my transgression, greater far than all my sin and shame. Oh, magnify the precious name of Jesus, praise name. A wonderful grace of Jesus, reaching to all the lost. By it I have been pardoned, saved to the uttermost. Chains have been torn asunder. Giving me liberty, wonderful grace of Jesus reaches me. Oh, wonderful the matchless grace of Jesus, deeper than the mighty rolling sea, higher than the mountain, sparkling like a fountain, all sufficient grace for even me. Broader than the scope of my transgressions, greater part than all my sin and shame. Oh, magnify the precious name of Jesus, Christ's name. A wonderful grace of Jesus, reaching the most deep by its transforming power, making him God's dear child, purchase of peace and heaven for all eternity, and the wonderful grace of Jesus reaches me, a oh, wonderful, the matchless grace of Jesus. Deeper than the mighty rolling sea, higher than the mountain, sparkling like a fountain, all sufficient grace for even me, broader than the scope of my transgression, greater far than all my sin and shame, oh magnify the precious name of Jesus, praise him. Amen. Please greet each other at this time. Greet your family members and extended family members. When I think of all my faults and my failures, when I consider all the times I've let God down, I am humbled by the grace He has extended. 
I'm amazed at the mercy I have found. I can never earn his love on my own, but every time I come before his throne, I stand redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I stand redeemed before the great I am. When he looks at me, he sees the nails scarred hands that bought my liberty. I stand redeemed. Even at my best, I am unworthy. I have nothing precious I can give. A broken life is all I have to offer. And yet, it is a priceless gift to Him. The bitter mark of sin will never fade away. But I can come before Him unashamed. I stand redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I stand redeemed before the great I Am. When He looks at me, He sees the nail-scarred hands that bought my liberty. I stand redeemed when he looks at me. He sees the nail-scarred hands that bought my liberty. I stand redeemed. Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. Ladies, Tuesday morning, if you would, please park out front for the ladies' Bible study and don't come through the front door so that way when we're carrying all the stuff in, we, uh, we won't get in your way. They're going to meet down in uh, Miss White's classroom uh, as well uh, Tuesday morning, so uh, please, if you don't mind, that would help us a lot. Also, next Sunday, uh, Brother Jonathan Stewart's going to be preaching for us. Uh, if you've never heard him preach, you, you don't want to miss, okay? Uh, he is a walking biblical encyclopedia. Literally. I, I would even, probably better than an encyclopedia, he's a walking Google for, for Scripture. Uh, once he starts, you know, I think he only breathes like two or three times every 30 minutes, you know. So, uh, but he'll be here preaching next Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, so you, you do not want to miss. Uh, uh, our folks, uh, when we were going, uh, before they sold our, our camp out here, we were having our couples retreat, and, um, and he was doing that for us, but uh, man, he, he just does a good job. You remember he was speaking about Goliath, and he stomped up here and just yelled out, man, there was men in the foyer who was the you know, on our security team, they came in. They thought somebody was something was going on in here. Uh, but but you'll please, but remark that down. And be sure you're here. Him, he he'll do. A, he will bless your heart. All right. Uh, Exodus chapter three. Found your place. Say amen. amen. Verse ten will be begin. Says, come now. 
Therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. God's talking to Moses. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? Uh, And he said, Certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they, say, uh, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. And God said, Moreover, God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob hath sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say unto them, The Lord God, your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and Jacob, appeared unto me, saying, I have surely visited you and seen that which is done to you in Egypt. And I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt unto the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites unto a land flowing with milk and honey. And they shall hearken unto thy voice, and thou shalt come, thou and the elders of Israel, unto the king of Egypt. And you shall say unto, the, unto him, The Lord God of the Hebrews hath met with us, and now let us go. We beseech thee three days' journey into the wilderness, uh, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. And, and I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go, no, not by a mighty hand. And I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst thereof. And after that, he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall come to pass that when you go, you shall not go empty. Uh, But every woman shall borrow of her neighbor and of her that sojourneth in her house jewels of silver, jewels of gold and raiment. And ye shall put them upon your sons and upon your daughters, and ye shall spoil of the Egyptians. Father, I pray that you'll bless the reading of your word and help me, Lord, to <clears throat> preach the message, God, again, that you've laid upon my heart for this afternoon. And Lord, may we, may we glean some things uh, from the life of Moses, God, that will help us and encourage us, uh, Lord, in the days that come. And I'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> now, if you'll turn over to Acts chapter 7 and keep your finger here in And Exodus 3, we're going to turn over there in just a moment and read a verse. But Moses' call, remember, came 40 years before the burning bush. Uh, Acts chapter 7 and verse 23, it tells us 40 years earlier, it says, It came into his heart, Moses' heart, to deliver Israel. However, it wasn't God's time. Uh, And we can see that in the fact that Israel didn't recognize uh, Moses or recognize uh, his call then. And, and if you look, pardon me, in verse 25 of, X, of Acts 7, notice what it says. It says that uh, for he supposed, Moses, for Moses supposed his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would deliver them, but they understood not. And the reason why is because Moses was acting in the flesh. He was acting upon his own will and upon his own timing, 
Uh, and it wasn't God's timing because when it's God's timing for us to do something, everything will work out. Everything will go smoothly. And so, or say smoothly, but everything will go according to God's will. Uh, so Moses knew he had the call of God on his life, but Israel wasn't ready to believe that. But now, 40 years to the future, God tells Moses, he says, Moses, okay, it's time to start the process of delivering uh, the Israelites <clears throat> out of Egypt. And so what's interesting here that I want you to notice is the fact that during the 40 years that Moses was out in the, uh, the backside of the desert, I want you to get this, working as a shepherd, he didn't lose his calling. In other words, God's calling, and Scripture says it, is without repentance. If God called you over here, listen, then he's still gonna, the call is still going to be on your life over here. And same thing with Moses. Forty years to the future, God's call is still on his life. And, and so I want you to see in verse 10 the command for Moses. There's an expectation here. After Moses had experienced the miracle of the burning bush and that God has manifested himself in that burning bush, Moses should not have been surprised that uh, God had something for him for his duty, that there was a command there from God for duty, which you understand here, I want you to see this, revelation brings responsibility. Listen, salvation also brings a responsibility for you and me uh, as children of God. Uh, God didn't reveal himself to Moses in this burning bush for entertainment purposes. All right, I mean, God didn't do it to, you know, I mean, think about it. Moses is a shepherd out here in the Midian Desert with no telling how many sheep. And, and Mo, uh, God didn't, uh, you know, appear to Moses in this burning bush just to break the monotony of Moses' work day. The purpose of the revelation was to instruct Moses and to involve him. And I want you to listen close here. When God illuminates us, it, it is in order to influence our conduct. Are y'all still here with me? Say amen. When God teaches us, listen, when he teaches us something in our life, uh, it, it, he's, there's an application that's to be applied to our lives. Uh, and a lot of people today, Christians included, now what? They want to experience God. They want uh, to uh, have the excitement of a miracle added to their dull life, if you will. They want to experience the emotion uh, of taking off your shoes. Amen. They want to hear the exciting experiences of deliverance and, and know all the prophecies of all the end times. But God help them if it obligates them to serve. I mean, listen... Uh, people today, they want the dramatic, but they don't want the duty. Uh, they want, uh, you know, they want the show, but they don't want the service. But God does not work that way. Amen. Listen, uh, uh, Moses, God calls Moses and illuminates him to get him involved in serving him and doing something for him. And thank God for Christians who when God does illuminate them and when God does show them something, they step up and say, you know, uh, my name is such and such and I'm reporting for duty. But a lot of Christians today, they say, you know, uh, <clears throat> God says, I need three volunteers. 
You know, everybody wanted to volunteer, step forward, you know, and God helped the poor guy or the poor lady that st- stays out there, amen, and everybody else steps backward. Uh, but that's what happened. So uh, Moses met with God on Mount Horeb with the burning bush, but watch, it was intended to start Moses on his way to leading Israel out of Egypt. So there's, a, there's an expectation. <clears throat> but notice the earnestness that's in this expectation. Notice what God says. God says, come now. Uh, now listen, the time is not in a minute. It's now. There was to be no delay. Now think, now we got to go back because it's as important. God told Abraham how long the Israelites were going to be afflicted in the land of Egypt. How many years is that? 400 years. I'll help you. And God has a habit of keeping his promise. I mean, so when the number of years are about to be fulfilled, uh, when Egypt has been about 400 years in Egypt, then God goes to Moses and says, Okay, Moses, the time is now. Okay, so God says in verse 10, come now. And when God calls us, any of us, it's with the same earnestness. When God says now, he doesn't mean in a minute. Uh, You know, we used to, my dad says, hey, y'all get over and do that. And we'd always say, okay, dad, I'm fixing to. And that my dad over the years, he'd say, man, you boys, y'all are always fixing to. In other words, dad, we're we're about to, we're going to get over there in a minute. No, wait a minute. Dad said, listen, when I, you know, and I was always this with my kids, I would say, hey, I want y'all to do this. And they would, you know, I want y'all to do this. They'd say, okay, Dad, I'm going to. And then I would say, well, okay, get up and start moving that direction. Amen. Well, listen, that's the way God's expecting Moses, and he expects you and me the same way. Not in a minute, not when it's convenient. It doesn't mean after you think about it for a little bit. Listen, it means act immediately right now. And so, listen, God always moves on a schedule. So if we wait or if we delay in our response, then we run the risk of missing out on on the blessings of Almighty God in our life. You don't have to look around very long or you don't have to look around very hard and, and look at the lives of some Christians because you can tell the ones that have delayed in answering God's call in their life because they have missed out on some important blessings in their life. And it shows. Because when people fail to respond or delay in responding to God, what? Suffering always follows. So when God says something, let me encourage you, pay attention. Act earnestly. And, and I promise you, according to the word of God, you'll never regret it. Ever. So there's, a, uh, uh, there's an expectation, there's an earnestness, now there's also an encouragement. God encourages Moses by telling him that he, or that God is going to bring forth, he says, I'll bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And God said, listen, Moses, he said, I will be with thee. Now somewhere in the commands of, that God gives us, we will always find that there's going to be some encouragement to help us to be obedient. The flesh may not find encouragement, but the spiritual man will. Because when God asks us to do something, it usually goes against what the flesh wants to do. Amen. Amen. But the spirit will find encouragement. If you go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 17. Uh, when, uh, if you go back there, we read these verses last week. 
when God told Paul to come out from among them and be ye separate, set the Lord, and touch not the unclean, that was the command. The encouragement was, I will receive you and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters. So there's a, there's a command, but there's also an encouragement. In Matthew chapter 6, in verse 19 and 20, you find the same thing. The Lord says, uh, told us to lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth. So, uh, and then that's a command. The encouragement was, lay them up in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. So there's the command and there's an encouragement. There's another one in Acts chapter 18 and verse 9. Uh, when the Lord told Paul at Corinth, he said to be not afraid, but speak. And hold not thy peace. In other words, Paul, you be bold. When you stand up for me, be bold in it. That's the command. The encouragement was, for I am with thee. And no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. So God says, Paul, Paul, you stand up and be bold when you speak for me. And he, God says, I'll take care of you. Nothing's going to happen to you because I'm with you. So listen, so anytime God calls us to do something in a command, there's always an encouragement that goes along with us. And there's, these are just a few of those, but there's a lot more. But now look in verse 8. <clears throat> Notice the extent of the command. Uh, God told Moses, he says, to bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Now notice, now I, I thought this was pretty interesting. I thought it was pretty neat that Notice it was only out. God says, listen, you bring them out, not unto. If you go back to Exodus chapter 3 and verse 8, we are reminded that it is God who said he would bring them out of Egypt and then watch, and unto a good land. Listen, God will repeat this in verse 17. And we find a very important doctrinal truth right here. Moses represents the law. Are you still with me? Say amen. And the law cannot save us. Listen, the law will not bring us into the heavenly land. It can take us out of the Egyptian way of life. It can reform our lifestyle. But listen, but as good as that is, the law will not save us. Amen. The only one who would lead Israel into Canaan was Joshua. Listen, Joshua's name is the equivalent name in Hebrew as the Lord's name, Jesus. So watch this. So Joshua is also a type of Christ. All of this is a picture of salvation. What a, what a neat thing that is. We're seeing a, a picture of the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ all the way back in the book of Exodus. When the children of Israel are being led out of Egypt and God leads them into Canaan through Joshua. Listen, it's Jesus, our grace, not Moses, the law, who brings us into the eternal promised land of heaven. And what a great picture that this is of salvation. But notice something else about this. <clears throat> Israel was in bondage and needed to be set free. And notice that God could have sent an angel to do the job. He could have sent Gabriel. Uh, he could have sent any uh, angel to do the job. Uh, and I like what A.W. Pink says in his, uh, his commentary. He said, had he so pleased, he could have appeared before the Hebrews in person. Amen. 
and he could have brought them out of their house of bondage. But watch, but this was not his way or God's way. Instead, he appointed a, a human to effect a human ministry to effect a divine salvation. To Moses, he said, I will send thee. Human instrumentality is the means he, God, most commonly employs in bringing sinners from bondage to liberty and from death unto life. Listen, thank God he has chosen to use you and me, human instrumentality, to help people come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. What a great privilege that is. God could have done it himself. Uh, he could have used Jesus. Listen, he could have used the angels, but God has chosen and elected to use me and you as a part. Human instrumentality uh, to carry it, watch, to do a, a divine job in introducing people to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we ought to never be filled with pride because jo uh, God chooses to use us. God help us. I've seen people over the years and, and preachers over the years to get all puffed up thinking they are somebody. Listen, God help us to never get to that place. If, uh, whoever stands here in this place ought to realize uh, this is a place of privilege because God has chosen and allowed us to be here. Right. Amen. But it's the same with you and me, you as well as, a, as an instrument uh, to tell people about the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a great blessing it is that God would allow us to be involved in His work. And we ought to never uh, be lifted up in, uh, it, uh, with pride. But watch, but we should never look at it as a burden either. Listen, a lot of people look at the opportunity to be used of God like it's a burden. Listen, it's not a burden. Listen, what a privilege it is for, for anyone to be used in the, the ministry of God. What a privilege that is. And I'm, I'm thankful for all of our people who, who step forward and use the gifts that God has given them for the ministry of the cause of Christ. It's to be used here to, to edify this body and to make Central Park Baptist Church this ministry to move forward for the honor and glory of God. So God help us to never see it as a burden. And we ought to never try to get out of it. But we ought to try to get into it, amen, and, and, and not try to find a way. But, and we're going to see that. Moses tried it. And we'll see that in a minute. Look in verse 11. Moses' response wasn't what we might have predicted <clears throat> because we see Moses gives two concerns. And uh, it, it, I mean, his insignificance and God's identification. Moses asked two questions. He says, who am I? Uh, and who are you? In fact, Moses didn't stop with these. We're going to see he asked a lot more questions down the road. <clears throat> we'll see that a little later. But, but look in verse 11. It says, And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? So Moses says, Who am I? One commentary says, It's when a man says, I can do nothing that he is fit for God to employ. Listen, God cannot use us when we think we're somebody. Uh, great men of God down through the years have all uh, uh, confessed unworthiness for uh, their God-appointed duties. Listen, I mean, Paul even said it. He said he is the least of the apostles in 1 Corinthians. He said he is less than all the saints in the book of Ephesians. And he said he was a chief among sinners in 1 Timothy. 
When, in fact, when Jeremiah was called of God in Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 6, he said, Oh, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak for I am a child. In other words, he says, I'm unworthy. And folks, we're nothing apart from God. And we ought to always remember that, that we won't serve God well, if at all, if God is not working through us. As we mentioned earlier, watch this, <clears throat> Moses, 40 years earlier, he thought he was somebody. He thought, man, you know, he was ready. And he stepped out in the flesh and he tried it. But listen, uh, a lot changed over 40 years. Uh, I mean, 40 years in the Midian Desert, uh, you know, being a, a, a shepherd. If you remember, 40 years earlier, he was full of self-confidence. But now he's full of self-doubt. Uh, back 40 years earlier, he seemed to have all the answers. But now, all he's doing is asking questions. Then he thought he could conquer. But now he thinks he will be conquered. Then he was willing but not ready. But now he's ready uh, but not willing. You see, 40 years as a shepherd in the desert changed his attitude. Listen, we all, if, if we're uh, to amount to anything for the cause of Christ, I mean, listen... We're going to have to spend some time in the desert. Uh, I mean, when we do, don't despise it. I mean, in, in 38 years of ministry, man, uh, I'm telling you, I've had some desert experiences. And, and I know Brother Marco has, <clears throat> but as a child of God, I know you have too. We've all had those desert experiences. And all we need to look at those are experiences to help equip us that God can use us for his service. Amen. But notice something else about Moses. We'll look in verse 12 in just a second. Uh, but notice he, he was kind of stubborn about it. He uses his humility, now watch this, to resist God's call. <clears throat> um, I like what this one commentary says, if we have reason to believe that any duty, great or small, is laid on us by God. It's a whole, it is wholesome that we should drive home to ourselves our own weakness, but not that we should try to shuffle out of the duty because we're weak. Now, there's a lot of uh, there, uh, people, a lot of uh, humble-sounding people, some church members who beg off doing uh, work at the church on the basis that they feel inadequate. Think about it. They say things like, oh, I've had them say, preacher, listen, I can't teach. Or I can't usher. I can't help in the nursery. I can't help on, Lord, on, on work day. And you can fill in the blank. And that all may sound good because they say, listen, I just, I just don't know how to do that. Or, or I, I can't do this. But, and all that may sound good. Uh, but all, but we got to be careful because uh, false humility is only used to disguise disobedience to what God might have us to do. I mean, but God sees through all that. <clears throat> and we see that here in Moses in verse 12. Look what it says. Moses says, who am I that I should uh, go to, unto Pharaoh? I mean, he was ready <clears throat> 40 years earlier. Man, he's, he's going, man, look at me. I got this. I, Lord God, I got this, man. Listen, that, that guy, that taskmaster was, you know, fighting, and he killed that Egyptian guy, and Moses, he's ready. 
but now he says, man, who am I that I should even go into Pharaoh? But notice what God says. And he says, certainly, God says, I will be with thee. And this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. Now watch, God says, he tells him, Moses, I'll be with you. Now, <clears throat> I mean, who are we to tell God we can't do something when God says, hey, I'm going to be right there. Oh, God, you know, I mean, God is right here with us. And God says, hey, I need you to do this for me. And they're like, no, I don't think so. You, you realize that's what we do. God says, hey, I want you to do this for me. And we, well, you know, and you got to be careful. God knows us. He's the one that made us. And we're saying, you know, Lord, I know you want me to do this, but you know that I, I just don't think I can do it. Do you realize who we're talking to, right? You realize we're, one, we're, we're talking to the one that made everything out of nothing. Uh, the one who, you know, spoke everything into being just with a word. Oh, God, you know, I, Lord, I, I, I just can't go knock on doors. Wait a minute. Who's asking you to do that? Uh, God is. I mean, and, and yet here's Moses. He's doing that. And God says, Moses, I'll be with you. Now, it's not Moses, watch this, against Pharaoh. It's not even Moses and God against Pharaoh. It's God first and then Moses against Pharaoh. You follow me? Sometimes we think that we're the ones out front. Oh, wait a minute. If God called us to do something and God says, I'll be with you, it's God first. We, we sometimes have the false idea that, that God's pushing us out there and says, and, no, you go first. Brother uh, uh, Shelton was talking about that in Sunday school this morning. Usually if somebody says, uh, you go first, it's okay. Then it's probably not okay. Listen, but God says, no, wait a minute. You, listen, I'm going first. You stay right here with me. And, and, and listen, we got to understand that God's going to give us the strength and the wisdom and the knowledge to do what he calls us to do. And he tells Moses, Moses, I'll be with you. Think back to the places that when you were a child <clears throat> that, that you were afraid to go. I mean, there were places as a kid that uh, we just wouldn't go. But then our father steps up and says, no, wait a minute, here, I'll go with you, it's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it was like, oh, okay, you know, my dad's here, my father's here, it's all right. And we were willing to go wherever he went. You know why? Because our father was with us. Yeah. Well, listen, if we can do that in the flesh, why can't we do that in the spiritual things of God? Why? Because God's with us. He's the one that, uh, that's going to take care of us, and, and we ought to just step forward. And, uh, but, uh, so how much more should this be true when, when God is with us? Remember the great commission given to us by the Lord himself in Matthew 28, 20? He said, lo, I'm what? I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Moses would later come to watch, appreciate God's presence because he said, if you look over in Exodus chapter 33 and verse 15, listen, there's been a lot of water under the bridge, if you will. A lot of things have taken place between Exodus 3 and Exodus 33. And now, all of a sudden, Moses says, you know, God, if your presence go not with me, Carry us not up hence. In other words, Moses says, God, if you're not going, I'm not going. Listen, so now he's learned to appreciate what the presence of God. 
In fact, three times in Genesis 39, we read that the Lord was with Joseph, and that helped Joseph through some extremely difficult circumstances, circumstances that may have and could have destroyed him, uh, but God was with him, and God made his presence known to Joseph, and Joseph was able to step forward and continue doing what God wanted him to do. Well, listen, God is with me and you as well. And if we will always remember that if he's called us to do something, uh, that his presence will always be with us in our life. Listen, God, listen, God help us to understand that that is a promise of Almighty God. But listen, God didn't stop there. Notice that God promised his presence to Moses, but also added his providence. Now watch, God said, This shall be a token unto thee, that I have sent thee when thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt. Look, I think that's verse 10. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, verse, verse 12. He said, Certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, what will happen? You shall serve God upon what? What mountain? This mountain. Well, what's he talking about? This mountain. God, what God's telling Moses here, that by God's providence, that Moses would bring the Israelites out of Egypt to the very place where they were standing right at that moment. You know what? God's saying, listen, you'll succeed. He's saying, listen, you're going to go down here and lead, these, lead my children out of Egypt. And, and <clears throat> he didn't tell him when, but he did say, listen, and, and you're going to worship right here where we're standing on this mountain. In other words, listen, how, how great would that be if, if, if God said, listen, you're going to succeed. Listen, whatever you're going to do. And by the way, it's, isn't it all funny that God says, if we'll seek him, that our way shall prosper? I mean, he said that. Listen, and God's telling Moses the very same thing. But now, wait a minute. But God did not tell Moses that there would be no difficulties. He didn't tell him that there would be no trials. He didn't tell him that there would be no heartaches. He didn't tell him that there would be no battles to fight. But the promise was that Moses would overcome the difficulties. Can I tell you that God has told you and me that we would overcome the difficulties. We are overcomers. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. But, li but, we, listen, but listen, we've got to answer the call. We've got to step forward. Listen, I, I, I tell my kids, and I told my son the other day the very same thing. I said, you can't steer a bicycle if it's sitting still. That's deep theology. And you know what? God cannot steer you if you're sitting still. But if you'll begin moving in the things of God, God will direct you in what he wants you to do and where he wants you to go. And when you're going, God will be there. And he will help you. Why? Because God, listen, he's not going to let his cause fail ever. We learned that today when we were talking about Peter where he said, listen, if you do these things, ye shall never fall. You know what? He's telling us we'll be a success. So when God gives us orders, when he calls us to duty, we'll always find encouraging promises with them. And these promises, watch, are to remove any hesitation that we might have in obeying him. 
but we've got to step forward. I believe, I've been thinking about this the last couple of weeks. You know, sometimes in the summer, if we're not careful, we get, we get kind of blah. We get kind of, you know, I've noticed that when, when something is off. If y'all ever noticed, and, and I've got to quit, if you ever noticed that when something is different in, in our worship, how it affects the worship? I do. I noticed it this morning. Uh, you may not even thought about it, but but I'm telling it shows, and it's in the simple things. This morning, uh, Miss Anita was home. Uh, Brother Ron is sick, and she was home, and no, nobody played the organ. And and you know, I could tell that. Remember, I said, "Hey, y'all are a little quiet this morning. Y'all are a little off." You know why? Because if something is different, we are creatures of habit. And if something is just, we may not know what it is in our minds, but we just know something is off and it affects us. Listen, when we come in here, we ought not let anything affect us in our worship. Nothing. Whether, it, whether it's the organ or, or the piano or, or someone different here uh, leading the singing or someone different here preaching, listen, it ought not ever affect you in how you worship. And the reason being is because God is always here. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Always here. Yes, sir. He's always with you. Why? He told Moses, he said, right. I'll be with you. Yes, you understand? He says the same thing to me and you. Yes, so when we step through that door, we ought to be geared up and ready to worship. Amen. We ought to have a smile on our face, uh, a song on our, on our lips to sing the, the praises of Almighty God. And, and we ought to just, just sing by a letter, just open our mouth and let her fly. Listen, and be thankful that God has allowed us to be a part of his worship. And all God's people can say, Amen. Father, help us. Lord, we, uh, we're moving through the life of Moses, and, and God, you've called him, Lord. And boy, he sure is different 40 years to the future. Uh, God, he's got different attitude and I pray God that you'd help us to have a right attitude about serving you God if you've called us Lord help us understand that you're not going to call us to do something and then not be there with us and so Lord I pray that we'll just lean on you and be thankful God for uh, your call that you've, you've chosen to use us in, in the work and the ministry of Almighty God help us Lord to do that help us to answer that call and, Lord, when you called Moses and said, come now, help us to realize, Lord, that now is the time that we need to be busy and about the Father's business. So, Lord, watch over us. Give this invitation, Lord, today in Jesus' name. Amen. While we stand and while we sing a verse of invitation, if the Lord's speaking to your heart.